I don't know if that's coming through at all, but uh, we're rolling for initiative to see who talks first. Shut up! And uh, I'm Ritter. I'm Mike. And uh, I am dark cleric, uh, half elf. Come Stupid. on. <laughs> and welcome back to Cinema Buns. We are talking about uh, Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, and... Uh, this is a and D and D movie. Hell yeah, it is. Uh, probably like just one of the um, the, the one of the most like the media that kind of just like takes D and D like in the tone that it's supposed to be taking. Yeah, as. yeah. Like, something that kind of like takes it seriously and not as like just kind of like uh, internet because like there there so there was like several ways this movie could have gone. It could have just been a generic fantasy thing. It could have been Jumanji where it's a bunch of like kids in a basement and then the they go in they into the in, game yeah. into the game or they're just telling the story and that's the movie and that's the what you're watching um but instead it's kind of just played straight with all of the elements of events that could happen in a D game yeah yep it although it's not a high bar very much the best D movie to be made yes uh the jokes were were great it they they made sense with the tone of if you're in a D and if you're playing D and D, these would be the jokes that your characters would I, say. I will say, like, very early in the m- movie, they set the tone for how the movie was going to be, and I don't think anything that happened out of that felt out of place or yeah. unwarranted. <clears throat> like there wasn't just jokes that were said because we've heard these were funny, and none of the jokes are cringe. <laughs> cringe normie D D jokes like oh i rolled a net one or roll for initiative or it none of that actually happens it just kind of naturally happens it, it's played as if you're, you're in the world you're of the in campaign, the world yeah, yeah. Uh, of a session that's going on because I, I was talking to someone at work and they're like oh so the players just become their characters like jumanji and i'm like no it's just it's just the characters no you're just yeah. playing pretend like when you're yeah. in kids yeah but, but uh but like you're putting yourself rules. in their show in their shoes. You can't just say that you're Super Saiyan God Super Saiyan yeah. and that you are immune to all damage. Yeah, it's like no, there's yeah. there's like rules. There's like stats that you have to follow and numbers that Every, you have to. Abide everyone's to. got their their race and their class, which they everyone does well as their class, except for Chris Pine, who is a bard that never does anything. Yeah, he does. He does. Uh, name one spell. Well, I mean, bars don't have to. Well, yes, they do. <laughs> well, they have spells, but they don't have to use them. Actually, uh, uh, I've been kind because of like thinking about it. So the bard is best known for its, for their ability scores. Yeah. Uh, the, well, their um, their charisma. Well, yeah, their yeah, charisma, I mean, yeah, but their like uh, their skills that they use uh, because they have like a large list of like proficiencies that they can like pick up, mm-hmm. and bardic inspiration. Yes. I, okay. I was thinking which about is that actually too. used quite a bit. Yeah, which is uh, where where uh, like Chris Pine's character comes. Because he's always pumping up his team in some way, shape, yeah. or form to do something. I guess he's like he's providing. To me, he did his buffs. job. Like what I, I didn't like see him as like oh he needs to cast spells that the bard has. He has abilities that he was using as a bard. I mean, like also, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the official like character sheet is because like all of these characters have their own it's on D beyond they yeah. had them oh that's cool yeah they, so, so they put even like i'm, I'm assuming safina and like forge too like the bad guys yes. too. i'm assuming but um i'll have to look that up uh he he's more like a, a rogue no he's a bard i know he's a bard but he's he's rogue. a bard with a subclass when you of, when you when you talk about rogue. like his early like backstory where he's like you know a harper and he like listens in on shit and whatever yeah. that that's very rogue-ish Maybe. You know what? Hold on. We'll keep talking. I want to look up their D&D Beyond okay. uh, uh, character sheets. But 
Yeah, like, on D and D Beyond, they actually put in some of the magical items too. So they oh, have that's the really cool. the horn of beckoning. Horn no, of the porn of penis. I don't what know. God? Because I can't the remember the porn of the suck because and it sucks all of your soul. Anyways, the real the, the the MacGuffin of the movie. Yes. Um, there's actually two MacGuffins in the movie. There are. You are correct. Uh, the other one is the helmet. Correct. The helmet, yeah. Oh, shit, yeah. there are three MacGuffins. <laughs> Shoot, which one? What's the other one you're thinking Are you of? thinking of the, the Sorcerer's? Oh, oh right. you're right, you're right. Yeah. That's right. That makes sense. Uh, Actually, yeah, so I would argue that the helmet is not really uh, the magical MacGuffin. It's like kind of a, a tool. Because I mean, really, it doesn't... It didn't um, It didn't do anything per se. But not like, that, it was a thing they were... Like, it was part of the, them, like, something they needed to get. It, you know what? It's a, it's a red herring. You a know what? I will give you that. I will give you that. Like, as far as for their journey, yes, they needed to go get it. Mm-hmm. But, like, as far as, like, a story a story goes, it was a red herring. Yeah, and, like, so the entire... I'll give you that. The entire structure of the movie is very much how an entire campaign um, kind of, like, plays out. Because, like, every D&D session um, is basically a, a, a group of people. Um, and, like, you could they could all have starting backgrounds yeah and stuff and like just stories that the players can like make up so that kind of plays into um like how the movie uh is structured because like what's kind of like cool oh they have the hither and tither staff oh i thought that i would assume that that was a real item i thought that was i thought that already was a real item i i i will say because there are a lot of like just uh transporting teleporting items that exist so i assumed that that was just a thing that already existed Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. What is I'm, it? I'm looking at Chris Pine's what level? Character. What level are these guys, uh, by the way? Um, does it explicitly say? It does not explicitly What's say. What's their CR rating? Uh, <laughs> they don't have one because they're set CR for rating. NPCs. But, okay. Uh, they're NPCs? They're, you can't play, those, play as them? No. Okay. So uh, Chris Pine's character, also known as Edgen Darvis. Yep. Uh, straight bard. No multi-classing. Okay. But he has inspiring words three times a day. Uh, a creature he can see within 60 feet of himself fails an ability check, an attack roll, or saving throw. He grants the creature magical encouragement. The creature can roll a d8 and add the number rolled to the total, potentially turning the failure into success. Yeah, that's pretty good. That makes sense. That's inspiration. Now, yeah. let, let's look at his skills. Deception plus 7, performance plus 10, persuasion <laughs> plus 10. <laughs> yeah, yeah that makes sense. For those that don't play D&D, <clears throat> D&D that's fucking broken. <laughs> That's fucking nuts. Um, and then everyone else is in here too. Yeah, I like the art that they yeah, that the, made up for them. Yeah. I mean, it. I, I will say that uh, kind of like what Kevin said earlier, everything that happens in this film, I just was like, nope, yep, my, my players have done that. Yeah, yeah that's happened. Uh, I could see that happening easily. Um, everything here can be like explained into a campaign. Like if you want to yeah. take uh, the story of the movie and turn that into a module that you can run, then yeah, that works. Yeah. It's a, it felt like a really good one shot. hundred percent. I feel like it's longer than a one shot. Really? I think it's about the, I think I it would be say, about the pace. I would of the say one, it's like, a, I, I would say shot. it's a mini campaign. You, okay. I can, I can get with that. But, um, cause there's like how many battle encounters and then like the rest is just like, you could do role play, but like, yeah, I mean, hell knowing, knowing players, that whole beginning, uh, interview session at the jail oh, could have lasted an entire way, session. I have no idea how impenetrable this episode is going to be. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's, let's get to movies specifically yeah. and then we'll get more into nerd talk. I will say I very much enjoyed the movie. I do. I, I am. Think, a I think non D and D players, because like just talking to coworkers, like they enjoyed this movie I, straight on. It's like just comedy and like I guess story. Yeah. I think non D and D players can enjoy the movie. It is funny. It is fun. The the like, world building makes sense. Like yeah. you, they, like they can just say something is a thing that exists, and you can fully understand. Like, yep, that exists in the world. It makes sense. And they they do a lot of show as well because movies like this tend to fall into the trap of tell don't show Mm -hmm. but this one there's a healthy medium between the two and not only that but like when they say locations spells creatures or whatever it doesn't sound like some other sci-fi shows where it's just like that's that's just some made-up bullshit that they threw on a page here 
it's hard to describe. It kind of feels like it has more weight to it because the way that they kind of structure the world, mm-hmm. it's a lot easier for you to buy into what's happening. So I, like, I think it helps that any like background you're given is shown in what's going on in the current moment. Yeah, because like um, they this they kind of just like describe the background and like what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. So like Harpers are not a thing that exists. Um, but like the movie just starts out with uh, Chris Pine describing his backstory and that he was part of the Harper faction. It's a underground group of like I guess Mass Effect specters. Yeah. They're, yeah. Like, assassins and like uh and rogues and, and rogues for hire to stop bad guys well and i mean they established I say that the bad hire, but... the bad guys are the red wizards and mm-hmm. like you know they're they obviously they they fucking look like siths um so like i i also they have like great visual language yeah yep. i also like that when they start describing something they know when to stop describing it because mm-hmm. like with the harpers he basically said you know, an organization we take care of the world's evils and help protect the good. Yeah, and you're That's not supposed it. to take anything in return except uh, you know I slipped and I, I had to pay for it with my. Yeah, thing. he doesn't go into the entire. The Harpers have been an organization for two thousand years because that doesn't matter to the story. What yeah. matters is his experience with the Harpers, or like describing kind of like the background of the Red Wizards. Yeah, um, it's just like so they just go straight into a flashback, uh, or like it's kind of like because it's like funny because it's like. Jenk like real literally goes into the background trying to describe what yeah. happened two hundred years ago with the Red Wizards, and then uh, Edgen is like, "Oh God, we're here for a history lesson." Yeah. <laughs> so well, like it's explicitly for the audience, but it's also for like the people in the group who are not familiar with like the backstory. Well, because they, I I like how they kind of did it was when they were explaining the Red Wizards, they just kind of they didn't really give any background. They're like, everyone should know the Red Wizards are bad. Yeah. And then later on, as the story progresses, you're finally given the history lesson of why they're so bad. Yeah, it's when you talk to someone who actually, actually knows, knows yeah. is able to give more context. Yes, and mm-hmm. I think that was really well done. Well, everything is like kind of just like surface level. You, you yeah. don't have to... It isn't like Star Wars where like there's political intrigue and there's like subclasses of like political divisions yeah. and right. a bunch of other shit that you need. You like, don't have to know background lore in order to enjoy. What's it's all, it's all yep. surface level like cliches and like just kind of like similar story beats that's similar to like fantasy. Something and, like, digestible that whatever. you can get mm-hmm. for this movie. And like uh, because um, unless you're like a dungeon master who is like an aspiring uh fantasy novel writer <laughs> you're running modules that are very like surface level it's like yeah. it's, yes. it's like you go on an adventure you're doing a job or maybe like you're trying to find this artifact that's far away and then you're just going towards that destination and then and you then proceed to panic when one of your players approaches a random non-npc that you're like oh you see a woman oi what's her name and you're like fuck <laughs> uh here, I marry here's, her. <laughs> here's what she sounds like. Here's her background. What does she know about the situation? And you're like, I don't fucking know. Uh, I guess she knows nothing. There. Um, and then they keep doing it. And you're just like, stop. You're killing me. By the way, this movie is DM porn. Yeah. So yeah, much. Yeah, it is. Oh, fuck. Like, because, um, God, what's his name? The sorcerer. The half, half elf. Mm. Oh, you mean oh, um, Justin Smith? Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. What's yeah, uh, Simon? Simon. Simon. Okay. Simon. Oh, man, Simon so Simon's scene is done really well, and it very. And it. You mean when he's trying to tune with the helmet? Not just that. I mean, I mean, like his when introduction? his introduction, introduction. Yep. and you see his fucking spell store like yeah. thing where he's yeah. like, his, uh, oh, component flip. pouch. It's not a component pouch. What it actually is is a spell focus. It's close. Oh, so, are you talking about the dial or are you talking about the his dial. actual pouch? I'm talking, I was talking the about dial. the pouch. No, I'm talking about the dial, oh, okay. dude. I don't That's think he I... uses a pouch. Yeah, he does. He has a little pouch that he like grabs things from. Yeah, it's just a little pouch, though. Why would that be DM porn? Well, no, I just thought it was a nice little detail. No, him having, like, I'm a, talking a about the pouch. fucking dial that... Because in D&D, there are things called spell focus that you can use yeah. in place of components for a spell. Normally, when, a wizard is just a wand or yeah. a book or a medallion. Yeah. But, for, but sorcerers for tabletop wise are actually like one of the weakest spell casters because they don't get as many spells per day as like any other race or any other class. But the way they do it for him is that 
like he has this dial that he can just store pre-done spells in mm-hmm. and he just needs to grab one. He's like, done, let's go. Yeah. I saw that and I'm like, that's such a good idea. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> and like uh, um, the, the kind of like fun in Dungeons and Dragons is like the creativity you can put into the world and mm-hmm. like just kind of like the tech you can put in. There, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if you guys think of the same scene as I am, but it was near the end when they were facing off against the big bad mm-hmm. like that scene with the sorcerer well well that's what i'm saying that's what i'm trying to keep it as vague as possible yeah. like well, i'm c- thinking of that scene right now when you mentioned that we'll definitely get to spoilers in a bit but i also want to mention that the characterization they did for each character i liked a lot mm-hmm. yeah because it is especially for a D movie it is really easy to make one-dimensional characters they kind of like they're not like 2d but everything uh so this is like a very competently made movie yes so like all of the characters are written um with like some motivation with like a small arc and a small like quirk to them um and it's like it 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 can be just kind of like screenwriting 101 but like when kind of just like put together when a lot of just kind of like real competent ingredients are put together into a movie then it just comes out as like incredibly satisfying mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and and like you said each it especially with a movie with these characters it's easy to leave some characters like behind and not to give them like a proper arc but i feel like everyone had an arc yeah of yeah. some form and like no no pay, every payoff felt warranted and felt earned mm-hmm Nothing was just kind of done because the script said it had to happen. It felt earned. It felt right. Um, I would like to say there were way more practical effects than I was expecting. That's what I wanted. And they to were fucking fantastic. <laughs> like you can easily um, have a CGI cat person, but it's just yeah. a, a person in a tabaxi. Uh, like animatronic mascot. yeah no, it's like kind of like a puppet mascot outfit oh so it doesn't look the best it I, doesn't look have, the best it's that's so much charm. i was about to say i wasn't a fan of how the uh dragonborn and tabaxi looked but i went ahead and said you know that's fine because i still love that you fucking did it yeah, yeah. there's a tab- the, the tabaxi baby is really good yeah oh, my, oh god. my god coming out of the practical <laughs> giant fish yeah um i love the r cochran uh-huh or Cockra, that yeah. fucking look, Jarnathan. Yeah, Jarnathan. Jarnathan. And it was just like, oh my god, it's so good. <laughs> no, so like the so the great so how that scene plays out, like comedy wise, it's very just like it's very funny on its own, but it's like also kind of like what would happen in a D and D session. Yeah, in a D and D session. Wait, there's an R Cochran. Yeah, I grab him and I jump out the window. What the fuck? Okay. <laughs> Yeah, and then um, it's kind of like up to a dungeon master to see how their players react to certain situations and to kind of like elevate it. If they do something awesome, then they want to have like a really good payoff for it. So like kind of just like one of the great punchlines that this movie starts off with is like, I was going to sign your pardon anyway. <laughs> no, well, I love that part. I think, I think <laughs> my favorite, my, here, I, we, can, we can spoil this a little bit, I think, is like the whole thing of like, the party like wanting this Arakarker in there for this like event. So yeah, is the, just the d- dungeon master just the, being like, nope, he's not here yet. <laughs> yeah. The, the funny thing is, the entire time you think it's just because like he's gonna be more sympathetic to what they're saying. <laughs> yeah. And like, okay, okay. And then he shows up. And they're like, oh, finally you're here. Jump. And uh, fucking. I I will also say throughout the movie, you can just. It, it very much feels like okay that action got a nat 20 that action failed that mm-hmm. it and it's done like it's just done well um the oh, so so like um edgin's like character um because of his like fat persuasion <laughs> uh, fat persuasion like scores and uh like high charisma like of course would he would be able to get past his probation yeah. uh, interview yeah. like really well. What's really funny is that scene reminds me specifically of an instance from an old game I played where I'm like, you see a big uh, st- a, like metal door entry and the players took 30 minutes like, okay, are there traps? 
I pickpocket it? Do I look through? And I'm like, and in my head, I'm like, it's unlocked. You just have to push. <laughs> just push the door. And then finally the barbarian broke it in. And I'm like, you hit it with all your strength. And it swings open into the wall and breaks. And they're like, wait, it was unlocked? None of you <laughs> tried to open it. So that just, like, we would have pardoned you anyway. <laughs> you didn't give us a chance to say one way or another. Um, the Dragonborn also looked good. Yeah. Again. I think the Dragonborn looked the best of the other races that I would saw. say the Arakakra looked the best. That's my argument, though. Yeah. But everyone's going to have their preferences on that. I just liked, I just liked that his scales were kind of shiny a little uh, bit, and I was like, ooh. Yeah. But, no, this is a movie that very... And you almost could, would have been able to forgive them if they did mostly CGI for a lot of the movie. Oh, yeah. Especially for the other races. I was expecting it. Yeah. But there was, like, there was a lot of practical effects. I think every person was a person in a costume. Yes. Yes. Every, like, NPC was, yeah, like, a person. 100%. I don't think anyone, I don't think any person like, was CGI. monsters would be CGI. Yeah. yeah. And the backgrounds, of course. Yeah, I mean, I I will say it's a fucking lot of soundstage. They got all their money from that soundstage, man. Yo, puzzles, too, I was surprised about. I wasn't sure how they were going to do puzzles uh, in this movie. Oh, you mean, like, at their arena? No, I mean, the first one is the bridge. Yeah, like, like, yeah, like, just in general, how they were going to do puzzles. Again, still felt like a tabletop Yeah, it was done (laughs) really well. I was like, oh, snap, okay. Um, Oh, because, so, like, in... In tabletop, uh, the dungeon master would sometimes have to like make up a puzzle or an obstacle that the players would have to get through, and sometimes they can fuck it up so bad that they can't do the puzzle anymore. Yeah, yeah. But still, the you gotta DM make, has you gotta to give figure them out, out yeah. something. Well, not only that, but sometimes the players could figure out like a workaround yeah. that maybe the dungeon master didn't, didn't like even think of. So, yeah. yeah. I uh... and also because like it's so so intertwined so i'm just gonna like kind of spoil uh like this particular like scene a little bit that they uh there was a small arc that michelle rodriguez's holga's character went through and from that uh scene she was able to get a a staff that lets them create two portals yeah like to to create like a portal it's a portal gun it's a portal gun um and then later on in a later scene they come across a, a bridge that asks a lot for you <laughs> yeah uh, no, that was the joke though is that yeah, it was like, super complicated oh for no also reason. they didn't know it was a portal stick yeah until they fucked up the bridge yeah so it kind of felt like the dm went and they were starting yeah because actually... they were going through things that they had to maybe try to f- yeah. figure out a workaround yeah and so like they fuck up the bridge like instantly um but because of something that the person that would play the holga character like their story went through that payoff carries on over to the main story, yep. and then like that's one solution that they were able to use to get through like that particular obstacle. Um, and also, I guess like there's also like a thing with, um, with uh, Simon's character in that he would be able to identify that that's a hither thither yeah. staff. Um, so like that's um, kind of like a movement in his character progression to like understand that and like kind of elevate his status in the team Mm -hmm. um and like solve the problem i i also like how they even if maybe normal audiences wouldn't catch it they very clearly set the rules for certain spells and magic there as well simon because simon's character did a lot of that yeah Yeah. he would describe like kind of the rules of like certain magical objects and like spells like with the hither tither he's like i have to see where i'm putting the portal Yeah. yeah to put it there and not only that but during like his introductory conflict one of the villagers puts his hand over his mouth to keep him from finishing a spell. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, because like because uh, in that world, the uh, spells sometimes needs up to one or three things. So like yeah. uh, Either a verbal could... component, like or um, what's the hand movement? Ver- verbal, verbal, somatic, somatic material. Yeah. Material. Yeah, and so you material is the only one that can be used with a spell fo- focus. So you can replace material with spell focus, but yeah. like. Uh, uh, cert- casting a spell can either just be you just say something, uh, a combination of saying something, doing something with your hands, or using a specific ingredient, and it can be either one or up to three of those things and yep. whatever like combination. So they kind of like do a bit of like world flavoring by showing that that is a thing. You can stop someone like casting a certain spell by just covering their mouth. 
because um, then they wouldn't be able to provide like the verbal component or um, the or just like some or other binding stuff like their that. hands so they yeah. can't do the hand movement or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, they I also really liked their interpretation of attuning. Yeah, uh, I mean, like it's what I kind of like understand as, but like, yeah, that is kind of like. That's one way to see how to it's a, it's a, to something. It's a way for a dungeon master to incorporate an item into a person's like character arc to yeah. elevate like the the experience for someone playing at the table. And I mean, for the movie in particular, it work it works really well to build up Simon's arc because like his whole thing is he has absolutely zero self confidence. Mm-hmm. He and it comes from like. Being in the shadow of his ancestor. Also being a wild sorcerer. Yeah. So, like, it's... there. There's a lot to play off there. And, like, for the tuning scenes, it's kind of about him just, like, confronting his own doubts and, mm-hmm. like, having the confidence to do what he needs to do. And, like, in the movie, as soon as he puts on the helmet, everything kind of goes inky, and he's just in the tuning thing. And, and everyone else... Like, when it fails, everyone else is like, what the fuck happened? It's like, I was in there for, like, ten minutes, and they're like, dude, as soon as you put on the helmet, you just flew back. Mm-hmm. So, I think that's a really fun way to, like, interpret that. That it's, like, mm-hmm. it's an instantaneous thing to everyone else, because magic. Because, um, like, depending on your DM and who you're talking to, a tuning can literally just be, like... All right, you're attuning it for the night. Everyone else is asleep. Yeah, you're you're kind Fast of... forward. You're kind of, like... <laughs> Uh, matching your energies with the thing or uh-huh. something like that but yeah. um and like it would be so uh, the the way that situation like turned out is very much how like a good dungeon master would turn um different parts of the campaign as like a as an opportunity for character growth mm-hmm. so it's convenient if you like look at it on a screenwriting perspective it's convenient that an ancestor of his is like attached to that him yeah is attached to that specific helmet right who he like i mean he knew that it existed but it was like it was like that helmet that they happened to have needed anyways so like uh it's a it's convenient from a screenwriting perspective but like in a kind of just like campaign well i didn't i didn't see it as like his ancestor well it wasn't well i mean i don't know i don't know for not spoiler's sake but there's a reason why he sees it as an ancestor. Yeah, I didn't see it as like his ancestor directly had interacted with the helmet. I saw it more as the helmet itself was bringing forth an image of his ancestor to represent his self-doubt. Okay. Yeah, because that's what I thought too. So it's less of a competition with like an entity and more of the like helmet reflecting the user on itself to see if the user will like get over it. It's up to you. You are the only one stopping yourself from mm-hmm. getting this head. Yeah. <laughs> and it was also like kind of him because Doric was like, I'm not giving you head until you believe in yourself. <laughs> yeah. Um, Which is a great motivator, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, and I also thought the Dude, a like. Druid that can wild shape? Bruh. Yeah. yeah. Bruh? Bruh. <laughs> I also thought the motivations of all the bad guys and stuff were. They made sense. They made sense and they were interesting. It's something you can easily make up. It like and it's exactly. understandable. It's not like too deep. Forge isn't like a gray character. That no, is like... he's just like I like money. Fuck you. Yeah. And, and Safina is just like you know a puppet of the greater lich that's trying to take over the world that isn't too important in the grand like scheme of things. No, you just not need, really. You just need a big bad guy, big bad yeah. evil guy, and like um another arcing plot over the smaller arcing plots. Yeah um and so what's kind of great about like this movie in general is that it doesn't rely too much on the base like adventures in forgotten realms like but world i think it uses it effectively yes because they're using already established cities and like areas yeah and although even if you don't play D, uh having these they're, present- for, they're for those people that know yeah yeah and having but having these presented and having them be in places that have been fleshed out over mm-hmm. decades yeah it makes the world feel more concrete yeah because the city of neverwinter looked good 
Yeah. yeah, it looked great. Looked fantastic. I kind of like, wanted to see Baldur's Gate. <laughs> I did too. I wanted to see Baldur's Gate so bad, and they didn't do it. And I was like, ah, I guess I'll have to wait for the video game. Guess I'll have to wait for the next movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, and like you know, just like one of the throwaway lines they did is like, "This is the seal of Mordenkainen." And then if you know who Mordenkainen is, he's like just kind of like God. Yeah. Like, he's just like Jesus. He's the wizard biggest yeah. wizard Jesus. He is wizard Jesus, the biggest badass wizard. Um, that's ever wizard and then they go on to and then like simon uh because his role in the movie is being since he's a spellcaster guy yeah <laughs> in the party he has to explain all of this arcane history so he's like this is a seal of a seal of mordenkainen no we can't get through that yeah. he's like the best wizard ever yeah that's enough that's that enough, is enough. That's, that's all you that's need. all you need <laughs> that's all you need he's like i can't even get th- like i'm not gonna be able to get through that i don't know anyone that can get through it <laughs> there's nothing that can well except for the helm of disjunction the what damn it the <laughs> helmet of dispelling no, yeah. it's disjunction. I'm gonna disjunct your. Then do it. What it does Finish is that. it dispels. Say it in the mic. But like, it needs a fancy name. Yeah. But it, it is a helmet that just well, yeah, dispels uh, stuff. Oh, uh, like I also Dungeons and Dragons items are like it's not like they're they're named like kind of just plainly. It's just uh bag of holding. It sword, holds a lot more than sword it. of plus three damage. <laughs> well, well, I mean, you have to remember that you know it's still a yeah. movie and they need well, to give it and, some, some name. And obviously, it's like a wondrous it, item. Yeah, wondrous it is like a blank. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So unless it's like specifically named like Stormbreaker. Yeah. Also, like a helmet that can just disenchant things or dispel things. Pretty good. Yeah. I mean, like this spell is already like a level one spell, isn't it's it? It's level three spell. Okay, whatever. And it also and doesn't also, have that yeah. big of a like effect area. Yeah, it, it would only like do one thing, whereas this helmet seemed to do like a whole anything entire in wave. its range. Yeah, and anything within a wave, a cone, in front of what it looked like. It feels like a giant it, it radius like, because it he, was a cone. He because he like EMP'd the entire city. No, he EMP'd a cone. Because remember, you see the you see it like expand as it went yeah. out. Okay, and then it was hitting things. But it was a giant ass cone. It was a giant <laughs> cone, but it was a cone. This is the biggest cone I've ever seen. It um, made me want a scone. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm trying to think, is there anything non-spoiler we want to get into before I, I, we... Um, the CGI was competent. Yeah, the spells looked good. I didn't no. have no problem with how the spells looked. I don't think I... Uh, s- I was disappointed there was no fireball. That, that was probably I mean, my biggest yeah. disappointment. I, uh, I don't... Oh. No, there was fireball. We'll get into that in the spoiler was, section. Was yeah, there was. I'll, I, I will say okay, there was. I probably blocked it on my brain then. But... Um, I will say the CGI was competent. Nothing looked terrible. Everything mm-hmm. looked decent. And some of the stuff that was like, I think some of the stuff that if they had it in like bright light would have been a little bit harder to look good. Like the intellect of ours, they had in like a darker setting. So it made them yeah. look better. Mm-hmm. But overall, they I made th- them look cute. The, the yeah. color palette for this whole movie. It's very colorful. Very good. Yeah. I love that. They oh, also some of the cinematography choices are yeah. like not something you would expect to see in a movie like this, and they work really well. Like there's one scene where Dork is going through this portal, and it's like a full perspective shift. It's from the trailer, yeah. yeah but yeah. it's where she's like going, she's because the portal's upside down, so she drops down and then like goes right side up. Yeah, um, but it's, it's done. Well. It's pretty sick. There's the there's Simon using the dial and the camera. St- vehicles into the dial so it rotates with his yeah. finger yeah it's just like dumb shit like that it looks cool <laughs> and and like every fight scene every like intense movement all of the transitions all the camera movement made it so you got to see the really cool shit and get cool shots but you never lost track of what was happening in a scene mm-hmm. because there's been some shit I've been watching right now where it's really fucking hard to keep track of what's happening and why they're there. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, in this movie, like even though they're doing all this crazy shit, in your mind you still, still know where everyone is and everything. what is happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, with that, anything else before we go into spoiler territory? I think one of the funniest scenes that gets brought up um, by a lot of people that aren't familiar with like Dungeons and Dragons they, they found really funny um is actually like the cemetery scene uh, yes. yeah so like there's there's a scene Ask five questions it, it was in the trailer so you can talk yeah about it. it was it, it was in the trailer but it's like it's just 
uh, it's a gold mine for well, it's like it's just one of those things that like if you're like comedy writer, then it's just like kind of like a really great bit that you can like lean into. Yeah, because like, why is it only five questions? <laughs> I don't yeah, know. So you can so like there's great things you can like talk about like just the entire absurd concept of it. Yeah. Um, like you can bring back someone from the dead, but they can only add, answer questions for you. They can't live their life, and also like there's there's the bit that they want to die. There's yeah. also the bit where they accidentally ask questions that they don't mean to be questions. Yeah. There's and then there's my, like the sem- the semantics you can make fun of. Yeah. And then one of my favorite bits is like they keep pulling people who are like, yeah, I was at the battle, and then ha- what happened? And then they, oh, they died. <laughs> I I tripped while getting out of the bath, and I yeah. fucking died. <laughs> so they're just unearthing all these people like who fucking knows what happened but it's like a very it's a very like funny situation you and your buddies can talk about after like the game is over yeah yeah when you're like out at buffalo wild wings or something it's like i can't believe we like dug up an entire cemetery (laughs) to try to figure out where the helmet is and turns out that no one knew where the helmet was (laughs) and it do you have any non-spoiler stuff you want to know that that was it for me uh last thing i would say if you don't play D&D, I still think you will objectively enjoy the movie. Mm-hmm. It is funny. It is fun. Uh, and it is not so uh, heavy with exposition and, like, deep knowledge need mm-hmm. that even if you know nothing of D&D, you can enjoy it. However, I think those that have played D&D and know the, like, culture and knowledge behind it will get the most enjoyment out of this movie than anyone else will. Yeah. I mean, it definitely, like, um, lets you understand the world better. Yeah. Um, but, like, in essence, it's just a really just kind of, like, greatly made fantasy movie. Yeah. Now, very fun. Three, two, one. Spoiler talk. Okay. Mike, what you were going to talk about when Dork turns into an owl bear and is just holding the... Holding the, Safina. Safina. And just... Go, go, go into her, the ground. Her, uh, we have a Hulk scene. Yeah. Her. Just keeps banging her into the ground. I was like, I think you got it. Safina barely moves and she's like, fuck off! And then just... Bah, bah, bah. I was I was also <laughs> oh, talking about fuck. the, the two-hand scene when they were oh, fighting yeah. with two with the, hands. The, the flesh hand and, and the, the earth hand. hand. Yeah. Uh, by the way, the fireball. Uh, when Safina is like coming down after them, multiple fireballs are hitting. That sounds like near them. Yeah, that's, that's a different spell. It could be. Yeah, I guess. No, but I, like there's... there's there, there, I don't think... Okay, that was, was the any... closest you got to fireball, man. I wanted fireball. <laughs> but it's fine. There were never crowded scenes where, uh, there was no where pro- Simon yeah, they, would be able to yeah. cast fireball. Uh, um, I false. Liked the, uh, what about when before they ran into Thumbercod? And but and the um group of undead assassin people. I, I oh Zhang took care of them. Oh yeah, he did. I, I appreciate the little detail about the little uh anti magic bracelets. Yeah, I, I think those exist though. I I I'm sure they do, and it makes sense that they would. I just like that the movie made sure to be like, hey, like we need to make sure they don't use, they don't try to use magic to solve their because problem. like you, so the weird thing is that dork solves a lot of problems by being able to fly yeah which is a which is a problem for a lot of like people who are trying to make obstacles for the players to do yeah um a person could just fly look up and see how to solve the maze yeah yep um so you need to have like some way to like in world limit the the character's actions and and what's funny is there's even a moment where uh Simon is like magic doesn't solve every Every problem problem, but yet (laughs) you can't just magic a solution into existence um but i do like the you can wish for it (laughs) i I do like the um purposeful intention of showing the audience like hey everything has its limitations and like the whole fun of D D is like figuring out solutions to these limitations using yeah. what you have. Yeah, exactly. Um yeah, it, fantastic. I fucking loved I loved Chunky Dragon. Yes. <laughs> I was so, so not expecting that. Did like he eat the previous dragon? Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's fucking just been Also, good. he's just that, rolling down yeah, the hill yeah. <laughs> to get faster. I, he's just belling, belly sliding. It's so good. It was so good. <laughs> <laughs> fucking just barely like able his legs are barely long enough to move his fat ass round yeah. body sausage roll body and uh, uh that entire just kind of like scene um is very much uh just like chaotic enough that it's like because like 
one of the things that rem- uh that kind of just like evokes uh tabletop play is when Zhang and Edkin are stuck on the bridge segment and the dragon like flips it so that it's like at an uh so it's a slide. Yeah. So Edkin's sliding down towards the mouth of a dragon who who's like has his mouth open. And so Zhang uses this as an opportunity, as we all would, to jump from the top rope and do <laughs> like um a sword stab through the air into the dragon in order to save him. Yeah. And God, fuck. I had a part I wanted to bring up in my mind. Oh, how uh, Holga just fucking all those short kings out there. Yeah. <laughs> you've, you've, you've got a chance. Holga loves herself some short men. <laughs> fucking uh, Bradley Cooper's cameo. Oh, God. That was and, so funny. And I love that Bradley Cooper just plays the perfectly innocent yeah. and calm and just pleasant guy mm-hmm. who's just real into hard-ass women because mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's the moment where his she, like current partner comes in and she's just covered in blood and shit and ugh, fucking and then went during the award ceremony and she sees the like halfling giving her the medal and yeah, she's, she's like, like biting her she, bottom she, lip. like bites her lip like mm. and he's <laughs> like hey <laughs> it's like fuck it's so good um I do think uh, all those tiefling players out there got gypped a little bit. You were expecting like uh, a more I wanted, demonic looking. Yeah, I wanted tiefling more, looking tieflings instead yeah. of just Sophia Lillis with a tail horns and, and tails. Horns. Yeah, yeah. I I mean I didn't know what race she was during the trailers, but like her saying she was a tiefling, and I'm like, okay, sure. Yeah, I kind of felt the same, and um. And, like, honestly, I didn't even notice she had a tail until she used it, like, t- oh. 20 minutes after she was introduced. Mm-hmm. And, no, I mean, I just felt like that was kind of like a... I felt like that was, like, coward. <laughs> Make her a tiefling. Cowards. But you want to show her face, so fine. Mm-hmm. Be that way. Um, I mean, like, everyone's kind of, like, makeup is... Um is very like easy to manage no one's like a different skin color yeah like or a bright uh and no and no one has heavy color. facial prosthetics either yeah no it's just ears and horns yeah so oh, it was like i'm assuming like that uh, put into a uh, play how hard they wanted to go into makeup yeah yeah um but no they, they spent all their budget on the like puppetry effects yeah so they had no more budget for makeup <laughs> Um, but uh, all in all, everything like just kind of looked good. The people look good, backgrounds, um, like everything, everything like looked good. Yeah, and it there there was something I was reading online that I kind of agree with in retrospect to where ninety percent of all D and D stories, be they official or in your own tabletop, are heist stories in a nutshell. Yeah, mm-hmm. because you're trying to steal an artifact or something, or a woman's heart. <laughs> but no, or it, you, or you know, it's like a Helen of Troy type deal where you're trying to rescue a damsel in distress for a prince or something. I don't yeah, know. and I went when I read that at first, I was like, eh, really? But it it's true because what heist movies are about is getting people of different specialties and using those specialties in creative ways to solve a problem. Yep. And that is what every single D&D story is. You have a collection of people with specialties and you're trying to see what does it look like when they're presented with this problem. Yep. And uh it was great. It was fun. It's it's I I'm trying to nitpick and I'm trying to get past my rose tinted DM glasses. <laughs> you're like trying to like scoop past things like Yeah, know. I'm like get get rid of No, stop. It's not perfect, but I know it's not a perfect movie mm-hmm. because the story very simple. It's not very. It's filled, it's filled with like cliches. Yeah, and, yeah, it's not ambitious. There's nothing like groundbreaking with it. Even but, even though they kind of like tease that they're it's open ended enough for a sequel because like the big yeah. bad is still alive. Like they yeah. never met the big bad. They met like a lieutenant. Yeah. Yep. Um, and like there's more to it. Um, I mean like. You you're whenever like a campaign is like written, it kind of is like you're the protagonist, and it's up to you to save the world. Yeah. Um. So like, 
yeah, that's just kind of like the situation they're kind of like put in. Yeah. But granted, on a campaign, depending on how much your DM wants to do, that campaign can last all of three months or five years. So <laughs> or yeah. twenty or twenty. Yeah. 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 Uh, it completely depends on what's happening, and you know, I think it's with them being able to lean on some of the cliches and some of the simple like story that allowed them to be more creative with how it was done. Yeah. And you know, I had, I will say this the first trailer I saw of it. Holy. I, the first thing that came to mind, Holy shit, this looks like it's going to be garbage. I'm so excited. And then it looked, it was like, it. Well, which one the was galaxy. the first one? The first trailer. Yeah. I don't remember. Um, I, it was so because the first one I saw was the graveyard one. It's the it's the one where they uh, it's the scene uh, right after they met Forge and he sent them to prison and then Holga uh, is talking about like oh cool what axe is that did someone yeah yeah, yeah um so it's the scene of her taking the tile blocking it and then just beating them up while uh Eng oh he's is, trying to is, uh, yeah. Eng is trying to undo his ropes like yeah. that scene is was the trailer and then they played a bunch of clips and. Yeah. I mean, stuff. in context, and in the, that was and a I really good moment, too. Also, yeah. also, I had very little faith in Hasbro being able to do anything, especially after the huge D&D debacle that happened. I think Hans Hasbro was kind of hands-off on this. He was kind of like, no. were they really like Dude, this, is, this was made in a Hasbro studio. Yeah, but I know. Yeah, but, but like, what they, I'm saying is like... The, they don't the, handle any writing or creative right. anything. They do give out the licenses for Transformers and shit so that other people can make movies. Well... I don't know if you guys have been seeing any of the stockholder meetings and stuff like that. Hasbro is planning to change that very aggressively soon. They okay. are trying. They so trying to do more things in house. Well, besides they the want whole more creative control over their properties. Yeah, besides yeah. the whole open gaming license bullshit that they tried to pull with D and D. Yeah, that they finally stepped back and that. Yeah, work. and they lost hard. Yeah. Um, they have announced multiple times that they've said, and I quote. D and D is wonder is one of our most underutilized properties yeah. we own, and I think in doing so they're planning to try to be more hands on with some of the creative aspects. Poor wizards, man! They're just being like, "Please, no more, Papa. We just, just want to make alone. our stuff." Yeah, but we'll see how that turns out later. Well, I mean, like I yeah. under I understand that sentiment from like kind of like a shareholder's perspective yeah. because. Uh, no one. You're sitting on a Dungeon, gold mine, but Dungeon you're not using Dragons it. is an established thing that everyone knows exists, but it's like super, super, super niche. Yeah. Transformers, Barbie, My Little Pony have elevated themselves. GI Joe have yeah. elevated them to normie status. Yeah. Exactly. Like normies know who Optimus Prime is. Normies don't know who Acerac is, or what that even means. Yeah. They barely know what D and D is. Yeah, yeah. They saw that episode. They saw p them playing it at Stranger Things. Yeah, they saw Stranger Things. Dude, seriously, I actually had a few conversations with people who've just only seen like who saw Stranger Things and was like, "Oh, they they play they play D and D in there. Like it like it feels like they're just like it's D and D all the way through." And I was like, "No, it's not." Yeah, but I, I remember one person saying to me like, "Oh, do you put a lot of demogorgons in your thing?" And I'm like. Dude, that is a thing that is for a, the that is an show. End, that is if an I want end everyone boss. to not have fun, sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if I want everyone to fucking die, um, yeah, because I told them I'm like, yeah, the names they're giving like the bad guys in Stranger Things, those are like high level fucking baddies, which is why they and they're more them like that. placeholder names, if anything. When you think about it, after seeing the show, they were just placeholder names. Well, duh. they just needed yeah. to name Dungeons and Dragons stuff. Yeah, yeah, but like. Yeah, so I I guess like for so for you have two kind of perspectives you want to play put this into. Right. You want to uh if you're uh if you're a Dungeons and Dragons fan, do you want normies to know more about yes. Dungeons and Dragons? Yes, I of think course. I think it's misunderstood the more po th uh, popular something gets. Hmm. I think it's all cuz it, it is a double-edged sword like I would like more people to know more and like more of the stuff i like mm -hmm. because then it becomes normal and then i can start having more conversations about it I, but it could also get commercialized to a point to where it's too far from its original material 
to be what I it's rem- too far like, from the like spirit of what it was. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think I think the most common reason people bounce off of D and D is uh, is it like, numbers. No, I think it's misunderstanding what it is because. I remember, by the way, all three of us play D and D together. Haha, and we're nerds, whatever. Um, dude, we talk about anime, dude. It's, this no, is another tick on the list but of things a, we are. But we're trying to narrow down so that only one person listens to this. Show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we started a session, and we brought my wife on. My wife never played D and D before I brought her in, mm-hmm. and one of the hardest things that she had to get her mind wrapped around is she's like, "Well, what can I do?" Yeah. And my response was always. Anything what do you, you want, want to yeah. do? And she's like, uh, can I try to break the lock? Sure. Uh, okay. Well, when you try to bl- break the lock, the guard standing right next to you goes, what the fuck are you doing? And she goes, uh, I kill him. Uh, okay. okay. You now have a dead body next to you. What do you do? And she's like, this is escalating so quickly. <laughs> well, so, you escalated that fast. So, but I think people... Yeah. Their only frames of concept are like movies, TV shows, video games. Mm-hmm. So they see D and D as they think D and D works as a very linear game, yeah. and or some people don't know what it what it actually or, is. Yeah, it's, no one knows how like the table like it's just even people works. just talking on a table, like, yeah. a table. If you were some kid, figures around, if you weren't a kid like in like elementary Ladies. school, just trying to like make stuff up to be stronger than the other person, it's a weird concept to understand. I feel like. Uh-huh. But I think with movies like this and with broader and more successful use of the, like, license, you can help people understand how the game works and even what it is in general. Because, like, I feel like if I went to a normal person who's seen the movie and enjoyed it, I'd be like, hey, do you want to play D&D? And they're like, well, what do you do? I'm like, you remember you watched that movie and they did all that cool stuff and you could... It's like, yeah, you could do all of that. And you have free reign to choose how you approach something. Mm-hmm. I feel like that will give them a better visual and emotional, like, I guess, benchmark to how how to approach a game. I think, well, the thing is just, art, like, role-playing games, tabletop games in general, is its own beast, I feel like, compared to most, like, media, like, uh-huh. out there. Because nothing is streamlined. The rules are... Nebulous. Are ne- yeah, at best. And then, like, it uses a lot of you putting something in, whereas you're in, whereas usually the other way around when you're just trying to get as much out of it something. It uses a lot what my friend SpongeBob would call imagination. imagination. Which is hard for some people. It like, is. I, I have a friend who struggles playing Dean because they have no... There's, like, there's... I don't know what to do. Like, what am I allowed to do? I'm like... Anything. Anything. And then they still can't grasp that concept of like, what does that mean? And I was like, what, what, like, it's like, yeah, it's, it's a hard concept for them to grasp and they really yeah. don't understand. And it's understand- because no one's have that, had that type yeah. of freedom anymore. Yeah. No one like, uh, before they're like the close, the closest we can is like a simulator video game. Yeah. yeah. Um, like the Sims, but I, I guess that's like kind of like the best way to kind of. I, do I would it. also yeah. like, but to like com- you have the Sims, but you have more things you can do, and you're also in first person. I would yeah. also like to compare this to FF14. Sure. sure. Uh, yeah. Okay. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm saying I let <laughs> let me cook, let me land. Okay. Because MMO RPGs, depending on what one you're playing, also have that kind of tendency where a player goes, "Well, what do I do?" And the answer usually is, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to just fight things? Because you could do that. Do you want to role play? You could do that. Do you want to just like make your meet s- new people? Meet new people. Do you want to make your character look pretty? You could do. Do you want to just be like a trader and make a bunch of shit and sell it and be like capitalism? You could do that too. Like it's it when there's like you said, there are people that when you're put into a situation like that, like what can I do? anything what do you want to do when people get stun locked by giving that much all, freedom. They, all they've known is that they're in there's first rules person and, and that they have a do. gun and that they have an ammo counter yeah and that they're a bad guy they, ha- they, they have a li- they, they have a, point, a specific point, list of options of yeah. this is what you can do choose yeah. one yeah because i was talking to them and because they they play board games yeah but 
like I like we've already established, like role playing tabletop games is a Are different, different beast yeah. than regular board games because uh, they know what to do when it's like just a board game because there's yeah. rules, there's an objective. Go do like the, think, you can only have these options in order to accomplish that objective. And I think one thing that makes tabletop a very different experience also is that uh, let's compare it to board games. Keep it fairly like centered. Yeah. So board games, you can definitely tell if you're going to have fun or not, depending on the game itself as well, because yeah. there are terrible board games and there are really good board games that in and of themselves, they inspire like fun play Sorry, um, this is one is one of my favorites. Just saying, D and D is only as fun as the group you're playing with. Yeah, and how kind of just like interactive and cringe uh, the, the <laughs> dungeon are. master is. Yeah, because like yeah. the dungeon master like gets a lot of like pressure and to yeah to make sure that the entire group has fun. Like it, they're they're making up they're hosting a party and then like you are all. Actually, let's. The food's imaginary. The guests are imaginary. Yeah. Yeah. The... So it's actually, uh, I can. Uh, it's kind of like realizing it. It kind of is like you're a dinner party host uh, yeah. that is hosting a murder mystery dinner party. Yeah. And it's up to you to create the scenarios, and the guests uh, are investigating everything themselves. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, that is kind. Except you're talking about what you're doing not you're actually getting down on your knees trying to fiddle under a cabinet you're yeah. describing that you your character is going to get down on their knees and fiddle around under the cabinet and so something funny with dungeons and dragons in and of itself depending on who you talk to it might be a recommended venue to start off with if you want to get into writing yeah, yeah, because that is a very dangerous road to walk, though. It it is, but I think because it teaches, because I, I I'm talking about this from a DM's perspective. I am not a perfect DM. I have sessions that I have not planned well enough, and that I probably should have done better. And you guys can disagree or agree if you want. I feel like I've planned some sessions that turned out pretty damn good. Bird go up, bird, 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 but fucking uh i i think with that it teaches you to improvise mm -hmm. with stuff it teaches mm -hmm. you to be flexible with how you set things up and it, it it makes you understand the balance between um all of the characters that are in play because like if you're um ignoring a character in a written story that's whatever but if you do that in a session you're ignoring a human being that's yeah that you're not doing anything for like yeah. you're making you're giving them no fun by like just ignoring them so and that's you, a hard balance yeah dms we see you <laughs> i don't do better <laughs> i'm fucking forever dm man but you know what i will say in the end i've already said it see the movie you know what the what i feel like is the the final end goal like when we've reached this point that means that like um Dungeons and Dragons is now at the same level as like comic book superheroes. Is I thought uh, you were gonna say Monopoly. <laughs> uh, I think Monopoly is a little, also like a little bit too niche. Not everyone's gonna be down to play Monopoly. No, but everyone knows what Monopoly is. Yeah, Monopoly is a boomer board game for now, boomers. <laughs> if if because like Ritter and I enjoyed uh, watching the most recent Acquisitions Incorporated stream live from PAX East. Yes. If that is broadcasted in a movie theater... And no one will watch it. But, like, <laughs> if we reach a point where it's fun to go and watch a streamed session with a bunch of people rolling dice on a screen, and we're all watching it together in a giant auditorium, that is, like... That means that kind of like Dungeons and Dragons is now part of like kind of like the zeitgeist. It's part yeah. of like just an everyday thing you can do. You can go out to watch a movie. You can go out to play watch a campaign or watch someone else play a campaign. And I mean, that's a fun thing you can I mean, do on fuck, a Friday. Another night. another thing we for some reason haven't mentioned the fucking Critical Role show. That like anime, not even just the streaming oh, you're show. Talking about Vox uh, Machina Vox on Machina. Amazon, which yeah. has done really good, fantastic numbers. I haven't seen season two yet, but I want to. It's pretty good. Yeah, I'm I, sure I've, it is. I I'm, have no doubt. I, I think I'm about halfway through it. It's it's pretty good. I want the whole season to come out before I watch it. Um, 
but no, it just just like you said, Kevin. I think because I I would actually argue Dungeons and Dragons has been part of the zeitgeist for decades. I just don't think it's been part of everyday knowledge. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, there was a good part when playing Dungeons and Dragons was the devil. Yeah, the satanic panic. And yeah, so- but superhero comics were also in the same breath. Yes. You can't read superhero comics because it's, like, satanic. Well, that, and then they had to uh, do the comics enforcement board. Nice. You, know, you can't have them be doing drugs. Can't have them be doing this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that went away after, And then like, the 90s came out. Yeah. And then everyone went, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> doing our thing. And then, uh, uh, what's his face? McFarlane? Yeah, I'm just saying the 90s was the solution to the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, <laughs> but um, we all could take that as it is. Yeah. Do you guys have any other like thoughts or anything? By the way, uh, Hugh Grant has infinite charisma. He's oh, always yeah. funny. Uh, Chloe Coleman, stay the daughter role. She's been the daughter yeah. in like five <laughs> movies. Two of them this year. She's in 65. Yep. And uh and uh Dungeons and Dragons. I remember her in My Spy. Oh god, yeah. <laughs> um apparently she was also in Way of Water, but I can't I don't remember. Um But yeah. Just Go funny. watch the movie. Yeah. Uh I will I'll probably buy this on Blu-ray when it comes out. I liked it. I w- I'm going to force my child to watch it and say if, this it, is D&D. If anything this this gave me some ideas for my own campaign. Dude, that that's why I said this is DM DM porn. Yeah, there's so much that happens where I'm like, I was grinning. I was like, Damn, e- that's a good idea. I was grinning, Damn, that's a good idea. <laughs> I was grinning ear to ear. Meanwhile, I had the notes app on my phone going. Oh, that was some good stuff. That was some. Good okay, stuff. how can I change it so my players don't know? Recognize I'm directly it. I'm... copying the movie. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, with that, I'm Ritter. I'm Mike. And I'm Wizard Kevin. And you can find us at Twitter at Bun Cinema and on our podcast. Bye. Watch with us for Cinema Bar.